Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. But I want you to open your Bible to Philippians chapter 2. We are talking about maturity. Our series that will come to an end today has been a brief series on growing into maturity. You could entitle it The Perils of Immaturity because if you don't mature in life, both physically and spiritually, you're going to face some real serious problems that you should not face if you will just mature in the Lord. And in the midst of all of this, we are moving toward what I want to refer to as a victory. Uh, there's victory in Jesus. It's one of the songs that we like to sing. Well, there is victory when you start letting Jesus live his life through you. The world takes on a whole new meaning. It is not what you're facing today, but what he's facing. And you're just going to waiting to see how's he going to deal with the enemy today. I've got a suspicion of what's coming, and I'm just wondering, how is God going to handle it? Well, he will not ever let you down. But before I go to the text of Philippians chapter 2, I want to go back to last week and remind you of something, if you were here, if you were not here, to just very quickly set up the message for today. Thankfulness on our part, is what releases the Holy Spirit in our life on his part. God is looking for a thankful people who he can show himself strong to, a people whose heart is perfect towards him. Their life's not perfect, but their heart is. They want to please the Lord and they are grateful, as we said last week, as David was, what will I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? It is very difficult for people to get off of concentrating on the gifts rather than the giver. But when you're thankful to the giver, that's maturity. When you're thankful for the gifts, that's normal. That's just kind of what everybody is or, or what they might say. Thank you very much for whatever gift might come your way. But the thing that brings ultimate victory, thankfulness, enters, uh, thankfulness introduces the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in you is what brings victory. And so today I want to talk about going on to victory. Remind you of one scripture last week, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give thanks. Now, that's tough, but it's a prerequisite to victory in the future. You have to learn to be thankful. I don't know how many times I've heard people talk about when they were growing up and they didn't have all the things they have now, but how thankful they were for that heritage because they learned to depend on the Lord and depend on one another and come together in the church and rely on different members of the family, and it wasn't all about the stuff. Those are good thoughts. 
But now I want us to move on. Going on to victory. Look, at, look with me, Philippians chapter 2. Out of respect to the word of God, would you stand? I will read from verse 5 of Philippians 2 to the 11th verse. Verses 5 through 11. Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. May God bless his word. Would you be seated? I think I can say to you that rare, if anything, motivates people like victory. There's some reward comes when you've studied hard and when learning doesn't come easy to you and, and you're not top of the charts when it comes to IQ or learning ability, but you study to show yourself approved unto God and you graduate <laughs> and you get good grades like a C. And uh, you, you are rewarded. You pass, if you please. There's nothing that rewards a fisherman like catching fish. A lot of you say, I don't like to fish. The reason you don't like to fish, you never caught any fish. We have those that say, I like to cook. Why do you like to cook? Because people say, ooh, nobody cooks them like you do. Nobody cooks like you do. If they didn't like it, you'd quit cooking. Hard work. Nothing like hard work that's complemented by a good job, completing a project, victory. I don't think anybody gets in sports to lose. Now, some of them play like they got in to lose, but that, that's not was the intent. Every new year in the sporting world, it's about the new team that's going to do better than last year's teams. But let me say this to you. The presence or absence of victory in my life is influenced, or it will influence, let me put it this way, the presence or absence of victory in my life will determine whether I have success or failure in my daily living. Whether or not I realize that if I walk in the victory and know I'm walking in the victory, it's going to affect me one way. If I'm always a failure, always making terrible decisions, not only hurting myself, but hurting the people around me, it will affect your life in a huge, huge way. Maturity is growing up and understanding that as you grow up, that everything we think, say, or do 
reveals our personal victory or our defeat. People that know you know whether you're living in victory or defeat. They know whether you're a winner or a loser. They know if you're consistent in your personality or whether you're just up and down the charts. How do you see yourself? If you see yourself accurately, you see yourself as God sees you. Now, all of us are a piece of work, but all of us are, if we're alive, it ain't over. As Yogi said, it ain't over till it's over. And there's nothing brings confidence like victory. When you tell somebody about the Lord or bring someone simply to a hope is born kind of a program and they trust Jesus as their Savior, you realize that God has given you the ability to bring people to Christ. Even though you can't teach, maybe you cannot quote much scripture, but the very fact that you know there's victory in Jesus and if you can get the blind spiritually to the Lord, he will give them sight. Your job is to get them there. Compromise is a word we hear all the time when it comes to enemies, one enemy against the other. We need to compromise. Well, compromising may prevent war, but it will never bring peace. You see, a lot of people try to compromise with the devil. I will do such and such with, with you or for you if you'll just let me do such and such. Now, you may reach a compromise, but you'll never have a peace that passes understanding until you let go and let God. And say to Satan, you're finished. One of the most interesting parts of hope is born, born is Satan on the stage. That is there for a purpose. That is there to try to show us in the life of Jesus, Satan was always there. And in your life, he's always there. And he is looking for that moment when the temptation has come rightly that he moves in and takes you out. He couldn't do it to Jesus. Can he do it to you? Has he done it to you? Are you one of those multiplied millions of spiritual dropouts? There has to be the reality of victory before you can ever live in peace. It's over. It is finished. Jesus is Lord. He did it. He did what he said. He paid for my sin. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. And now, the life I live, now live in the flesh, I live by the power of God. And I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Amen. That's victory. The rest of us live in a world of, I hope I can. I tell you, that's kind of tough on me. Well, if you've ever done this before, you would, since you hadn't done this, you don't understand what a power it is on my life and how hard it is to give it up. That's all sin. You don't have a special sin. Whatever you are tempted to do, there's great power in Satan to draw you into that sin. And it, yours may be more dramatic and may get more press coverage than somebody else's sin, but sin is sin. But victory is victory. Every area of our human life is affected about whether we live in peace or don't live in peace, whether we walk in the victory or whether we live in defeat. It's obvious today. 
Many Christians, many Christians' lives are characterized by the absence of peace. I mean, they are regular and doing spiritual and religious things, but they do not have a peace that passes all understanding in their life. Now, other people realize it, and if they would look in the mirror, they would realize it, but they still want to believe, I can do it next time. I can do it again. Well, I slipped this time, but I'm doing better. You know, I stayed free of it for so long, but I was really proud of myself. And then all of a sudden, you're right back into whatever sin you might be dealing with. People run around, they long for peace, they pray for peace. A lot of people even agonize for peace, but they don't find peace. Why? Because they don't know where the victory is. Everybody has an excuse. If there's no victory, there's no peace. But everybody has an excuse. Everybody has an excuse. You invite people to come to church. You think they got excuses? Thousands of them. They can come up with everything under the sun as to why they won't come to church. Satan says, if you ever get to that church where my spirit is, you just may get born again. You may get saved and they're scared to death because that means they've got to give up their temporary sin. And there's pleasure in sin for a season. Don't you ever think, like, like the old preacher said, if you don't think there's pleasure in sin, you had not tried the right sin. <laughs> All right? But God acknowledges that. But it's for a season. It's for a season. But you can long for it and pray for it and all those other things, but it, it won't come. But, well, you, you say, we need you to come serve. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Busy doing what? Uh, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Why, why don't you give? Can't afford to. I can, I can afford to pay the credit cards company's 20% interest, but I cannot afford to give God a nickel. I can afford to go out into the world and do the things of the world. I got plenty of money <clears throat> to do what the world wants me to do, <clears throat> but I can't give. Why don't you change? Well, I'm trying. I'm trying. Well, why don't you pray? Don't know how. Oh, folks, <clears throat> I've seen so much of this in my life, it is unbelievable. I spend an incredible amount of time talking to people that I know as soon as I get through talking to them, I've just wasted my time. Anybody here can get out of debt if they want to get out of debt. Anybody here can get out of debt, but you won't do what it takes to get out of debt, and I'll guarantee you that's true, and I can prove it to you over and over again. You are so consumed with the flesh and walking in defeat and staying in bondage, you're never going to get out until the day you die. You'll, somebody have to put your burial on a credit card. Paul said, I can do all things. Is there any more to that scripture? Through Christ, which strengthens me. You want to get free of a sin in your life? Just like that. Just like that. My dad used to tell me, when you get in a temptation, you don't know whether you do it or not, stop and pray and ask God to go with you while you do it. If he says, I'll be glad to go, get with it. If he says, I'm sorry, I can't go there, stay out. They don't love me in there. They're not going to glorify me doing that. That product wasn't made for my children. And they go the other way. You see, the Christian faith begins with a victory. 
Oh, it does? Yeah, come to the program this afternoon. This afternoon, The victory is Jesus died for sin and rose from the grave because the Father accepted his sacrifice, his payment for our sin. The victory is won. Jesus was born in a lowly manger. But from the time he was born, he was king. We watched the British throne, who's heir to the throne. When Jesus came, he came as a baby, but he was king of kings and lord of lords. The Bible is so clear. In verse 9, God has given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You don't have to make him king. He is king. He is king. And my personal faith and your personal faith is based solely on the victory of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Either he won for you or you're a loser. There's not anything you can do to change that. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but by his stripes we've been healed. That's where the victory is. And when you grow up and realize that, that it's not about all of these stages of, of growing up and growing up and life changing and all. We were just talking a while ago, it's Christmas time. You know, you go through that stage when you believe in Santa Claus and you grow through that stage when you don't believe in Santa Claus and then you get old enough to where you are Santa Claus and then you get so old that somebody talks about Santa Claus and you say, who's Santa Claus? <laughs> I mean, it goes through the whole gamut. But you see, when, the, when you are born again, you become a child of God, and God comes to live in you, and when God comes to live in you, you grow up just like that. You can tell sin a thousand miles away while everybody's wondering and calling somebody and say, I just want to ask you a question. What do you want to know? Is it a sin to fill in the blank? My dear friend, if you're saved, you don't have to call anybody, text anybody, or ask anybody if it's a sin or not. Just get along with God, and his Holy Spirit will knock you to your knees if you really want to know the answer. Right. If you don't play religious games, just keep calling the priest and the rabbi and the pastor and the elder and the deacon and the staff member and waste their time because they're not the Holy Spirit. Amen. But God sends his Spirit. The question is not. Well, listen to Colossians 1.20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven. Would you listen to me real carefully for just a moment? The question is no longer who is the king. The question is where are his kids? Are you one of them? You don't need to ask, is he the king? You need to ask, am I in the family? And the way you are in the family is you are invited to come in by the Holy Spirit, convicted of your sin. You acknowledge that sin and repent of that sin and invite Christ into your life and start a brand new life. Have you done that? Hear the emotional and powerful proclamation of the psalmist in the 98th psalm verse 1 oh sing unto the lord a new song for he has done marvelous things his right hand and his holy arm has gotten him the victory the lord has made known his salvation 
His righteousness has he openly showed in the sight of all the heathen. That's who he is. That's who he is. Do not forget all of the things that we've tried to teach in this brief series. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, to the glory of God by us. It's all about him. I grow up and you grow up. Once we invite the one into our life who will face today and tomorrow with us. When we go into the surgery room, he is the great physician. When we go to the graveside, he is the comforter. When we are facing the enemies of this life, all power is given to him on heaven, in heaven and in earth. When we're struggling financially, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You name the subject, the answer is Jesus. Amen. The answer is Jesus. I like that story, that little boy came to Sunday school. Children have a way of teaching us so much. They're so simple-minded. They just kind of tell it the way they see it. The children in Hope Are Born are just doing a fabulous job. They're staying in character. They're just incredible. I heard about this little boy. He was in Sunday school, Bible study, children's ministry. Teacher says, what has a long furry tail? <clears throat> Crawls up in trees, barks, and eats nuts. <laughs> Hands went up everywhere. This little boy had been coming to Sunday school for several years. They called on him and said, okay, Bobby, what is it? Has a, has a long, bushy tail, climbs up in tree, barks, and eats nuts. He said, well, teacher, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sounds like a squirrel to me. <laughs> you know, when you stay in the Bible long enough, you learn where the answer is, right? <laughs> I got a problem. The answer is Jesus. What well, it appears to me to be, it could be Jesus. Well, the devil's just, just always, always giving me trouble. It may be the Holy Spirit's what's giving you trouble. Because you are so, and I am so, convicted. Sports are interesting. If somebody asks you, well, how was the football season this year? It depends on whose side you're on, right? Uh, sports are, you know, it, it's interesting. 100,000 people go to the state and they come back and say, we won, we won. You hadn't won nothing. You've been up there drinking beer and eating popcorn and hot dogs. The guys that won are down there on the football field. They won the game. What are you saying we won? You know, what are you talking about? Well, I'm celebrating. You know why you can celebrate? Because somebody was down there on the playing field in the battle and won. Jesus went to the cross. He won. And we celebrate the victory. And we're able to walk in the power of his might because he is in us. And he that is in us is greater than he that's in the world. That is the answer to maturity. 
When you don't have this chart to say there's 100 things I'm trying to change and I'm doing pretty good. I'm at 47 right now and I'm going to get over 50%. I'll probably take a break and a vacation when I get to 52 or 53 of the 100 because I tell you, I miss some of those sins and I put them off to last until I'm going to change those. I mean, that's just the way people get all carried away. But whether you're a winner or a loser, it depends on what side you're on. But hear me very carefully. Victory is a gift to be received. Victory is not something you win, it's something you receive. He has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the giver of the gift. He won, he defeated Satan, and we can enjoy the benefits of it, but we cannot walk in the flesh. What are you seeking today? 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you seeking victory from sin today? Victory from temptation? Are you, are you seeking victory from sorrow? Victory from loneliness? How about victory from uncertainness? Don't know what another day is going to bring. Future doesn't look good for me. Who said it doesn't look good? The doctor the banker, the lawyer, a member of my family. Look to Jesus. He's the author. He's the finisher of your faith. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Don't forget this. You'll never win the victory by how much you toil, how much you struggle, how much you try, how much you sweat, how much you rationalize, how much you agonize. You will never win the victory in that. You will win the victory when you receive the victory as a gift from the giver of life, and his name is Jesus. Amen. And all the rest of the stuff you're doing is wasting your time. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. He gave us Jesus. He gave us every good and every perfect gift. And he gave us salvation. And the list goes on and on. You today do not need to ask for the gift. You need to receive the gift. He's already offered it to you. You don't ask him to offer it to you. He has already offered it to you. And when we close in just a moment, invite you to go back to the Connection Center. The gift is waiting. As we're going to give the Bibles to those this morning, the gift is already there. It's whether or not you'll come receive it. Salvation is already here. It has to do with whether you'll receive it or you'll go to a more convenient time. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. One day... If you're a believer, as I am a believer, one day I simply, as a little child, realized I need a Savior. I realized something was wrong with me. I realized something was wrong with my friends. I realized that even as a seven-year-old, eight-year-old child, that you see friends that when mama's not looking, daddy's not looking, and when they think they can get by with it, they're doing every kind of bad thing they can. Hide and seek was one of our Big games back in those days. But I can tell you one thing. 
The same faith I used as a child to come to the cross, I use today as a senior adult in every crisis in my life. Same faith. The same faith I had as a little child that Jesus would save me is the same faith I have today is that God's going to get me through today and tomorrow and the next day and eternity. It's a great way to live, folks. If you're running around all the time wondering, I'm going to get caught, afraid I'm going to do this, afraid I'm going to do that, I just don't know if I'm going to have enough money, I don't know what happened, I don't know the doctor gave me this report, I mean, you know, going on and on and on. Back off. You can do all things through Christ which strengthens you, but he's got to be invited to come in. You know, you hear sometimes about coaches being fired. Maybe if you live in Houston, you may have heard of something like that. Why don't we fire the devil? He's been coaching you long enough. I'm not comparing the coach to the devil, but I just want you to know the situation, all right? Why don't you just fire him? Wouldn't it be interesting, folks, if, if the people that go to the football games on Sunday left the stadium, can't wait to get on their iPhone to call somebody at church to ask how many people got saved at church today instead of all the church people leaving church wanting to know who won the football game today. Would that not be a great day? Go ahead, polish your shoes. It's all right. Go ahead. You, I just stepped on them. I know. <laughs> but I want you to get my point. That may be an overkill, but I don't think it's that much. Do you really care where people spend eternity or who wins the games? Life is not a game. This is a real thing. We're in war, and somebody wins. Jesus has won. Now, whether you're on the winning side or not, it's where you sit and where you serve. Are you going to be a part of it, or are you going to back away? But when you move to maturity, you've got to make an emotional discovery, and that is you have got to discover mercy. This is one ingredient. God's mercy is what saved me. And when I got saved, mercy should be a part of my everyday life and mercy towards others. Mercy toward myself, mercy towards others. It just flows through love. Mercy is just love in operation. As we talked about thanksgiving and thankfulness last week, I want to close the series by throwing one more thing at you, and that's mercy. When you look around, God is love. And with love comes mercy. And when God comes into our life, mercy comes into our life. And when mercy comes into our life, then we have an opportunity to look at this world through, tears, through eyes that are covered with our tears, heartbroken. Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. And our compassion reaches out to them instead of beating them on the head and condemning them and getting in our little circles and talking about all the sinners and how we got to do this and do that. Why don't we have compassion for them and let the mercy of God that came when Jesus came into our life flow through us and our mercy is such that we go out and try to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember this. The scripture says... While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In Ephesians 2, 4 says, God who is rich in mercy. Titus 3, 5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, 
but according to his mercy, he saved us. His mercy, his mercy, his mercy, it lasts forever. While you look at Christmas time and you think who's going to be invited and who's not and who's wronged you, push that aside. And in your maturity, reach out to people that have reviled you and persecuted you and said all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. The Lord says rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward if you with mercy will look out on them as the crucified Savior looked out at the Roman centurions as they nailed him to the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The wise men brought myrrh to Jesus and Jesus brings mercy mercy to us I'm thinking already about next Sunday those wise men fascinate me they fascinate me greatly I like it because they first presented themselves to the Lord not their stuff themselves they came first wise people We'll still seek Jesus today. 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's alive, folks. He is alive. He is alive. The doctor says, I've only got so long to live. Jesus says you're going to live forever. Who are you going to believe? I like that story about the fellow said, doctor said he's given me six months to live. He went back to the doctor. He said, doctor, I can't, I can't pay your bill in six months. Doctor said, I'll give you a year. <laughs> That's the reason they call it practicing medicine. <laughs> Growing in the economy, you know. Listen, nothing's going to touch you or me until God releases it to be done. And when that happens, it's absent from the body and present with the Lord, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And it doesn't matter who gets on the bus first. If we know the Lord, we're all getting on the bus, and it's all going to the same place, and we're going to spend eternity there. Now, act like we win. We've won the victory. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us. The result of mercy is our response to God. And this should be a determined attitude to glorify God by our for his mercy, by letting his mercy flow through us. What will your response be to the mercy of God towards you? I close with this scripture, Romans 12. Listen to this, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know what maturity is? Being conformed to God and his image instead of being conformed to this world 
and it's idolatry. That's all it is. And you make the call. Two things. What will my response be to God? And number two, what will be my response to others? See, when I walk out of here today, when you walk out of here, first thing we've got to decide is do we know that we know that because of God's grace and God's mercy, we've received his gift, and we're going to tell him we love him by receiving the gift and be grateful for it as long as we live. That's called salvation. But then for those that have that gift, you have received that gift. And many, it's been years ago, but you received that gift. You know that you received that gift. The next question is, what's going to be your response to those around you? You. Don't try to get them to somebody else. Get them to Jesus. And you be the one. Know who he is and where he is and how do you get there. You say, but you're the big shot Christian. You're the preacher. You're the pastor. You know what Jesus said? For whosoever cometh unto me... I, Jesus, will in no wise cast out. Where's your boldness from humility? I know I'm a child of the king. Only one response, only one is acceptable, and that is that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God which is our reasonable service. There's a lot more we could say about maturity, but we're going to have to leave it there. But I do know this. If God has really touched me, I'm supposed to touch others. If God's really touched you, you're supposed to touch others. If you don't touch them, they're going to die in their sin. If you don't touch them with that word, that look, and that touch, and then that example that they have seen in your life, such an incredible difference. And I'll just tell you real quickly, folks. I've met, I've, in two nights, I've moved among enough people and met enough guests to tell you the overwhelming majority of the guests that are coming are coming with people that have been saved in the last 12 months. For those of you that are bringing them, don't stop. Don't become like some of us. Don't get so cold, afraid somebody's going to get my seat. But say, I hope it's so full that I have to wait in the foyer and be the first to congratulate you because you got found Jesus Christ, invited him into your life because you came, and I was the one that got to bring you. That'd be the best Christmas you ever had. So don't you look at yourself as some kind of second-rate, second-class child of God. If you're a child of God, he had to come and died on the cross if you'd have been the only person on this earth. He had to come. You matter to God. But others are depending on you. If we'll grow up, maturity is taking responsibility, right? Maturity in the home is beginning to do some chores, taking, making decisions. Maturity is handling finances carefully, making right decisions, making sure your family is protected. That's maturity. Well, how do you do it? Well, go back over the last few weeks, and I hope something has been shared that will help you. But if you say, well, I don't have that much time, let me just tell you, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You, lo you yoke unto him, and you're going to have an incredible life. It won't be easy. It won't be easy. But, but the victory's been won. Just let sure, make sure you know who's, whose team you're on. <laughs>
Make sure you know whose family you're in. Because if you haven't asked Jesus into your life and haven't been asked to be adopted, the adoption papers have already been done. It's just up to you. But God's not going to force himself on any one of you. Not if you're a rich young ruler with money, fame, youth, energy. God faced that man. Jesus faced that man. He wouldn't change. He walked away. Jesus stood there. He's not looking for money. He's looking for obedience. He's looking for servants that will help celebrate the victory so that others will come and be on the right side, the narrow way instead of the broad way. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? I want to thank those of you that have watched on the television, but I want to thank those of you that are here for coming and being in this building because right now in this place, we're prepared to talk with you personally if you want to talk. Back in the back of the auditorium, if you go out of the auditorium into the huge foyer where the big chandelier and the painting is and the divine servant, right back this side from the divine servant, there is a, a lobby. It's apart from the rest of it. There are people waiting in there right now to talk with you, to pray with you. Right in front of you, there's a card. That card could be filled out right where you're sitting and just simply put your name, how we can get a hold of you, telephone, uh, email, address, whatever you want to put, and just say, I want, to ask, I want Jesus in my heart. And then when you go out to the Connection Center or come to, the, to get your Bible, just give it to me there or to the Connection Center. Or if you want to just drop it in the boxes at the door, that's fine. But folks, we care about you. We've got to know who you are. If we are allowed to help you, we want to. Dear God, <clears throat> you have showed yourself so strong in the last two days on this campus. There's not anyone that's walked into this building last night or the night before and sat for an hour and 55 minutes and watched that story that doesn't understand what a price was paid that we could have. Not only a new life and be born again, but we could be overcomers. We could mature quickly and understand what this world is up to and not become a victim of it. So, dear God, bless this moment now. We're going to be praying, seeking you. I urge, Father, that your Holy Spirit just beat the devil off of any that would uh, be trying to hold back any demon, be trying to hold back somebody from coming and talking with us. We love you. We trust you. Thank you for your grace and mercy. May it transfer to us. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.